Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's pray. Abba, my Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be here this morning. As I come before you, please bless my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me share how important and uniquely special these verses are. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity and daily breath during Lent. <clears throat> Holy Week is precious and pinnacle peace leading into Easter Resurrection Sunday. Father, please give me discernment for what to say and how to say it. I am grateful to be able to share the scripture given to us by your servant, Mark. Holy Spirit, mold our hearts and clear our minds to be receptive to God's will in our lives. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> At first, I'll uh, be reading out loud Mark 16, 1-8, and I've got the ESV version. Okay, let's read. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, from trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, and they were afraid. <clears throat> okay. So it's a short passage, but um, a very important and brief um, book. So... Um, so that's what I want to state here. The book of Mark is brief and action-packed. Um, therefore, I reference other books and commentaries. The first manuscript of Mark um, have it ending after the first eight. Um, thus, the verses give a clear indication of the faithful women who follow Jesus and his disciples. They are not considered the 12 apostles, yet God gave them value enough to be listed as witnesses. Um, these women were in mourning, their concern were to care for the body of Jesus. They were on their way to anoint the body. While approaching the tomb, they vocalized their concern about removing the rock. Immediately looking up, they saw it was moved. Then going in to, to see the tomb, they saw a man in a white robe. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. But can you blame them? It's no wonder they were alarmed. Has this ever happened to you while stressing out about a situation only to realize the problem solved, just not how you imagined? Then to be given the news that Jesus has ridden, risen only to be chosen to inform the disciples that Jesus will meet them in Galilee, the same disciples who are still in hiding. So what a moment in time to be the first to be told Jesus has risen and to see the empty tomb. And just a moment to take that is special. <laughs> and I'm amazed, so I'm not going to cry. <laughs> but what a great God to choose these faithful women. Women who serve our Lord and Savior while he was alive and now after his death. I want to emphasize that it was these women who had the privilege. 
as Pastor Paul remarked yesterday in the message, that credibility of women's testimony was diminished and not sought after. It's pretty obvious that women were not considered highly in society. They often were marginalized and dismissed, not to be believed. Sorry, and I am emotional because I am a woman and I love being a woman at that. So while I was researching commentaries, and I quote, a woman's testimony of her witness was equivalent to that of a convicted man or a slave. Females were negated just as on the basis of their gender. It's Jesus who had demonstrated a value of women around him. Man may not consider these women's testimony as valuable, yet God did. And he valued them enough to give them this position. Let's take a look at who these women are. Mary of Magdalene. She was someone Jesus had driven seven demons out of and was now a disciple of Jesus, as stated in Luke 8, 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called of Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And she was from the region of Magdala. Then Mary, the mother of James, was someone who had witnessed his death. She is the mother of James, the lesser, the younger, and Joseph, not to be confused with James of Zebedee. And Salome, who is the wife of Zebedee, mother of James and John, was also there. And both are mentioned in Matthew 27 and 56. And among who were with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So their purpose, they came to anoint the body with spices. In John 19.39, Nicodemus had purchased 75 pounds of spices of myrrh and aloe for the body of Jesus. The mixture was used to contain the smell of the decomposing body. The worth of this mixture in that time is estimated to be worth 150,000 to 200,000 in today's money. This is the way they had planned to honor Jesus. They had followed him and now they intended on caring for him even after crucifixion. So let's look at the value of myrrh. <laughs> what is it? And a reason, researching this portion was most enjoyable for me because I do blend with essential oils in my practice. So um, I'll state some of the, um, the facts here. So according to NCBI, which is the National Center for Biotechnology, um, information. It's a constituent chemical. Um, it's a sesquitropian, which is an acting analgesic, antiseptic, and astringent, and including a carmative property, which has the um, gas-relieving enzymes. So by today's measure, pure myrrh in a small amount is purchased independently at the size of like 15 mLs, ranging from the cost of $78, and that's from doTERRA, and 99, and that's from Young Living, and that's on a wholesale average, and that's the companies that I use uh, to purchase my essential oils. So it's very expensive. Um, those two are the most common companies. There are other ones, but it's one of the purest levels of extraction that they use, and also they uh, they honor the uh, the farmers um, by um, being generous in their um, their compensation for. Uh, clear measures of uh, property care. So myrrh today is mixed with other essential oils and for oral care and even to gastrointestinal issues. 
the actual myrrh that was extracted back in the day um, was from a tree and it's a gum resin like substance which is then used dried up mixed and um, um, made as a salve with aloe and other spices which would be quite aromatic these women expected to see the body of jesus they were present at the death and now had taken taken on the following task to continue to care for his deceased body and yet what happens to these women they're afraid trembling and again, in astonishment and fled without telling anyone in the moment. Well, who wouldn't be scared and who wouldn't be in that condition? By Mark's account, it states that it was a man dressed in a white robe that informs the women that Jesus is not there. A man in a white robe is often associated to an angel sent from God. Can you imagine being given this information and by a spiritual being? What an amazing blessing. There's a couple of words that have a deeper meaning and I'm gonna elaborate. At first, the man in the white robe told the women not to be alarmed, which is in Greek means to be amazed. And according to the definition of trembling from the Greek word, uh, word is tromos, literally shaking with fear. But it also can refer to someone trying to complete the task that they feel unqualified to perform. And astonishment is from the Greek root word ecstasis, which can get uh, an English, which we get an English word, um, ecstatic and ecstasy, which stands, uh, which states standing outside of oneself. So in review, what would it mean to be chosen like this? Fear at first, then what? Could I be opinionated enough to speak up and be bold or consumed with awe and fear? I try not to be too introspective of what it, what the ifs may be, yet I can't help but wonder what I would have done. But there is nothing that would match those environments, or is there? And I'm saddened by the trend in today's time to dictate social and cultural atmosphere that are diminishing the quality of femininity, men becoming women and calling it equal, an evil agenda of our present day, and it permeates and it motivates as liberating people with hidden desires, yet it undermines and devalues women in general as well. And it does not lift them up as uniquely created humans. Any man can become a woman and call themselves that or just the same, but it isn't. And here again, it lessens the voice of a woman. So this is an observation coming from a woman here in this year, 2023, in the time and age where women are far more vocal and legitimately qualified on their own merits to give testimony. Yet we face similar yet different circumstances that lessens the value of women. In summation, what I can take from these last verses is that we should not be in fear. It doesn't matter what evil agenda exists today or was like in the condition that diminished the voices of women back in Jesus' time. It exists then and it exists today. No woman or man can diminish the truth about Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus is victorious and prevails. God has given us redemption through his son. And I say this not in judgment, but rather a conviction. The victory belongs to Jesus and it is ours too, because we are believers. We, are, we too can be in astonishment for what has happened at the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Some of us left speechless, not knowing how to explain. Resurrected, Jesus gives us all hope because it was foretold by the prophets. He would redeem us and we would escape death's hold and then be risen to our heavenly father. 
his body rose first and defeated death, paving the way. It, it does us good to remember these faithful women were chosen. They were vulnerable to criticism because of the time and history and place in society. That still has not changed, not even now. And I plead, Holy Spirit, empower us to proclaim the message that Jesus has risen. We are not bound by death. May we give hope to all of those around us, non-believers. May we encourage and lift one another in prayer, fortified as the body of Christ, to do his will and have his kingdom come. So I pray, and I'll end in prayer here. Heavenly Father, Abba, Father of Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, and ultimately my Redeemer, Jesus the Messiah, have mercy on me and all those today who come before you. For you alone are the Almighty, and whose voice I only want to hear from. Grant us wisdom as we ponder and review the testimony of Mark, that we may hear clearly with our minds and be convicted in our hearts to carry the message with our actions and boldly with our words. As we remember this Holy Week, what Jesus, your Son, has done for us, let us have the heart of gratitude and a spirit of victory. Our King has risen, overcoming death, and sin on our behalf. May we live a life serving his ministry so that our lives are a pleasing aroma to you. Until his return, amen.